Bedrosian throws to Sandberg, and the pitch is grounded to second base. Thompson has it, throws to first. It's over. 27 years of waiting have pumped on in. The Giants have won the pennant. All right, Brad, we're back with the Thompson to Clark podcast. Episode number 25. We are a quarter of a way to that big number of 100 we were talking about in a couple of podcasts ago how we got to the end of the year and it was just like wow that was really fast and now we hit 25 and it feels like every every time is like a new milestone yeah no doubt and uh i mean you know it's it's no surprise that doing baseball podcasts in the off season can should i say we we sometimes kind of reach for things <laughs> right i mean because there's not a whole lot going on it's not like the off seasons were like 10 years ago yeah um by by thanksgiving free agency would be wrapped up and you would start talking about camp battles at this point of the year and you know who's coming off a of surgery and what's going on we're not even we haven't even talked about i mean trevor bauer hasn't even signed anywhere the big guys still haven't signed anywhere and it's january so you may hear some names today and you go who the hell is this guy so, <laughs> it's, exactly it's january so. so so kind of in that same vein we put up two shows or two segments on two previous shows that we had recorded because we are in the off season and there's not a whole lot going on with these with the team but we had discussed last week our favorite uh, baseball movies of all time so we put that segment in its own youtube video you can check it out go to youtube uh just search thompson the number two and then clark in youtube and you'll find our page and then we also did one that we did a couple of weeks ago which i thought was really fun looking at our favorite players in giants history per position and so we were coming up with some old names and and really fun names and so those segments are in the on youtube on our youtube channel uh they're also in our podcast feed because we recorded them as part of the last couple of episodes so anyways if you if you want to check those out there up there one thing before we actually get to the giants is i wanted you to be able to crow a little bit your rammies upset the seahawks in the wild card weekend of the nfl playoffs and you know i was personally rooting for your team uh just uh, a i hate the seahawks and b i wanted to see you know i wanted to see you you get a w out there but what did you think watching that game man that was like watching your team try and move the football through the air was uh was pretty uh i, I don't know it was cringeworthy at times but the defense was just awesome well the rams defense number one in the nfl this year and uh so it's it's a lot of fun to watch i love defense um you know being a football fan it is it is fun to see your team put up like 400 500 yards score six or seven touchdowns but i was always partial to those defensive battles and watching um linebackers and defensive linemen come in and just crush players in the backfield and defensive backs make great plays on balls to uh to keep the wide receivers from making catches so i'm loving this right now it's just it always feels like whenever you have a really good defensive team you just kind of get a so-so offense and that, mm -hmm. that's what's happened to the Rams all year long. Mm -hmm. But, you know, now they've got two injured quarterbacks going up to Green Bay in 25-degree weather. 
who knows? I, I mean, I'm just enjoying the ride. Anytime I can get extra football for my team, I'm super excited and it makes me very happy. So, so thank you. So thank you for rooting for the Rams. Uh, I hope you root against Aaron Rodgers this weekend. Absolutely. Perfect. <laughs> I'm, I'm not as good of a player as Aaron Rodgers is. I'm not a big fan of his, obviously plays for Green Bay, but I've watched him supposedly have the best team then get beat by the New York Giants, uh, who were not very good, and then go on and beat the Pats in the Super Bowl. Uh, I've watched uh, Colin Kaepernick go into uh, Lambeau with no sleeves on in the snow and beat Rodgers' ass. I I saw last year (laughs) Jimmy Garoppolo threw for maybe 75 yards, and they ran the ball like 100 times. 400 yards. (laughs) It was insane. And so so to me, like Aaron Rodgers, he's an awesome player. He's going to go in the Hall of Fame. He's going to, you know, he's got, he's going to be up there with Brady and Breeze and, and those guys when it comes to records. But I also know him from the perspective of, was I really afraid to play Aaron Rodgers in an important game when the season was on the line? Not really. That has something to do with his team too. But I'm yeah, I'm not, I'm not a big Rodgers fan. And plus the, you know, he he kind of tried to go Hollywood on us a little bit. And but uh, but yeah, no, I'm I'm rooting for the Rams when it comes to the NFC. Uh, if they make it all the way, they got the, the I'm behind them. I would love to see them go through the Packers and then either Breeze or Brady. That would be awesome. Well, and, and this weekend is a, is chock full of, uh, of Bay Area madness, too, because you've got, if Goff gets the start, Wolford's neck was hurt really bad in the game. Goff has got the thumb issue or he had surgery. But if you get Goff against Rodgers, you've got the two Cal quarterbacks going against each other. So that's oh, a yeah. fun little storyline, too. Awesome. Yeah, it'll be fun. Football playoffs are always fun. And, uh, and, you know, the best teams usually uh, do pretty well. But when it's a one game playoff, essentially a one game elimination, there can be upsets. So I'm looking for the upsets here. Well, Jalen Ramsey against Devontae Adams. That's going to be fun because uh, Jalen Ramsey has shut down top wide receivers all season long. So that's a huge matchup because the other Packer wide receivers are like, you know, kind of off the board, so to Mm -hmm. speak. You've got the one big guy in Devontae Adams. So if they can shut him down, who knows what happens? But, you know, Rams have to move the ball too on offense. So (laughs) unless the defense scores a bunch, then, hey, we're good. Uh, Yeah, for sure. So um, the, the late, some late, information that we that we're going to bring up not not the best information as far as uh, what we like to celebrate on this show but uh, Tommy Lasorda uh, passed away and he famously was the manager of the Dodgers for as long as I was following baseball he was synonymous with that team and we wanted to just say you know, rest in peace, Tommy Lasorda, and and maybe even throw a couple of uh, of, uh, of stories if you had any stories about Tommy out there, and, and people, you know, if people want to hit us up and share their Tommy stories. But uh, it, yeah, it was it was really sad to hear. I remember when I first started watching baseball. I still actually I still actually have this, by the way. I put together 
a like a photo book where I was because I was a, a big magazine kid. I would just all the sports magazines, all the programs, anything that had to do with, uh, you know, any of the sports. I would I would have some sort of magazine. And at some point I wanted to create a scrapbook. So I just started cutting photos out of these magazines and putting them in a scrapbook and then writing, you know, little blurbs about what was going on. And I, like I said, I still have it. So this was probably like 19, I think I probably started it in 85 and, you know, there's pictures of Lasorda and it says, you know, the artful Dodger. And then, you know, there's a, a couple of ones that probably, you know, call them fatso or something at the same time. But yeah, just, you know, when I'm so when I'm growing up, like the guy, like the players change, right? Not, not everyone stays on the Dodgers forever, but the one consistent was Lasorda. So if you were going to boo somebody... You would just boo him, but he was always so uh, colorful. He was a character. He, you know, he's been with that organization forever because he started or in the organization as a, as a pitcher. But yeah, it was really sad to hear, and knowing that you know he was in his he was he was in his nineties already, but still very sad to hear Tommy sort of passing. Well, and he ate that up too. I mean, he loved the rivalry between the Giants and Dodgers. He respected it. He knew the deep roots of it. Um, so it was always fun. I have two quick little memories. Um, you know, a lot of memories because being a Giants fan growing up and in, in the, you know, seventies and eighties and nineties, you, Tommy was everywhere. Um, and you always love to hate the guy. It, he just rubbed you the wrong way, but not in a bad way. Just as a <laughs> Giants fan, just the things he would say, very arrogant, very colorful, um, such, a, such a character for the game. We really don't have guys like that anymore in terms of management. Um, but I remember in high school, it was probably, oh, I don't know, late 80s, probably 87, 88. And for one of our classes, we had to use audio clips, uh, try to find audio clips and kind of uh, edit something together to tell a story. So where, you, where are you getting these clips from? Like you had to like record it off the radio or something? Yeah. Or if you had them on tape or, oh, wow. or just anywhere. Yeah. Record them off the radio or just make them up on your own, however you wanted to do it. Uh, and I had an, an old baseball cassette set of like baseball's greatest hits and it had a bunch of baseball songs but it had this interview and it's, it's very famous so if you go to youtube and you look up tommy lasorda dave kingman you'll see this fantastic interview it's it was i think the bottom of the ninth kingman hit like his fourth home run of the game uh and 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 beat the dodgers and so famously somebody asked him what did you think of kingman's performance and he went on a tirade with F-bombs about <laughs> Kingman's performance. And what the hell do you think I think about Kingman's performance? He hit four home runs against us. You know? So he's going on. And so what we did is we took that clip. And we acted as if we were the interviewers. Uh -huh. And so we interjected ourselves, paused, <laughs> talked over, did this, did that. That's and just cool. We're shocked that he was coming at us this way when we were just asking an honest question. So, <laughs> so I always love that. So if you go to YouTube, you can find that clip. It's fantastic. Uh, and then the other time, 1990. Where's your clip? Where, where's uh, the clip of you guys I'm, doing I'm That's may, what I want to hear. I may have it on a tape somewhere. I've got to, I keep telling you, I've got to go through my tapes because I have a ridiculous 
ridiculous amount of tapes from our San Jose State days, uh, Sports Weekly clips. I, you know, see if I can find. I think we might have done like a baseball um uh, like a preseason picks and we'll have to check it out because this was like, you know, late nineties giants. Yeah, yeah. So, so, so we might've been like over ambitious of what we were mm-hmm. expecting of our team at the time. And it didn't quite pan out, but I'll see if I can find those, uh, because I also have all these San Jose giants games, great interviews with players and coaches. Um, so we'll see if we can pull those and get those loaded up on YouTube somewhere. Uh, but, but my other, my other great, uh, memory was 1991 going to opening night, uh, giants, Dodgers, uh, at Candlestick Park, Brett Butler making his his Dodger debut back at Candlestick Park after just leaving the Giants the previous season, um, coming back, and you know they always introduce the manager first. So Tommy came out. Crowd was going nuts, booing him as hard as we could, and he's blowing kisses to everybody. And he gets to home plate, and then they start with the with the starting lineup. Well, of course, leading off is Brett Butler. So Butler comes out, waving to the crowd, runs over, gives Tommy Lasorda the biggest hug, and then kisses him on the cheek. And the place erupts. I mean, it, I thought they were gonna. I thought that everybody was gonna come out of the stands and just go after him. The place went crazy with the booze, and they turn around and started kissing and and you know kissing their hands and waving to the crowd again, and then just played it up. And it was just that type of thing. He knew the rivalry. He knew how to get to the fans. He knew how to drive big games and get things going. So it was always, you know, you love to hate the guy, but you miss him so much and you miss that part of the rivalry. So yeah, rest in peace, Tommy. Hope you got a big, you know, vat of lasagna in front of you and a big old, you know, Chianti red wine sitting there and, and, and enjoying yourself. Well, think about all of the years that we would have been watching baseball and when did Tom, because Tommy retired as a manager, but then he got moved up in the, like he was like an assistant or, or, or whatever. But like, what, what year would he have retired from managing? I'm trying that, to think. Let's see. Let me take a quick look. 96. Okay. So, so he was 76 to 96. So 20 years. So he's got his two World Series championships. That would be 81 and 88. So that's that's literally the first twenty years of my life he was managing that team. <laughs> that's crazy because that's, like that, that's what I remember, right? The, yeah, like that's all that I re- like. I can't, I couldn't tell you who replaced him, but I could tell you, you know, all the times that I saw him. So that that's pretty. That's a pretty great career. Was that Joe? I, I believe. Joe Torre took over, right? I, I would think. I, I'm just throwing it out there. But 97, no, because Joe, Joe Torre was, Torre still, was with, still with the Yankees. By the yeah, yeah, till the early 2000s. So I, I'll look that up. That's, that, you know, that's a good trivia question because you just think of Lasorda and then you think of Torre and then you think of Mattingly. Well, there was somebody in between. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Who the hell yeah, was the, it? The, the, um. They was thought Dusty. They was thought Dusty was eventually gonna gonna manage there, right? Like they, they was, talked about Dusty was yeah. gonna go over there. So if we go back, um, don't look. To, I'm gonna look it up. You, I'm gonna see if you can get it. No, the, I, I couldn't get. <laughs> it. I saw the answer. <laughs> okay. I, I, I would have no chance getting the next wow. two managers for sure. Oh wow! 
Bill Russell. Bill Russell. And Glenn Hoffman. I completely forgot. Now, I remember Glenn Hoffman managing the Dodgers. I don't remember Bill Russell managing the Dodgers. So what? And so they they have Davy Johnson, who we you know we we remember mm-hmm. Davy Johnson from uh, other teams. I don't. I mean, I the don't Mets. really remember her with the, Mets, with the namely, Dodgers. Yeah, the Reds wasn't he with the Reds? He was with the Reds. He was with the Nationals, but but most famously the 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 Mets. And so Jim Tracy and Grady Little sort of. Uh, I, I don't know, like not memorable managers with uh, with the Dodgers. But then you get then you have Joe Torre, like you said, then obviously we remember Mattingly. We're so thankful <laughs> that Don Mattingly was the manager of the we Dodgers. Mi- come back. Come back from Florida. Come on. Right. Because because he because so, so Torrey, uh Torrey's last season with the Dodgers is the first year that the Giants win the World Series. And then Mattingly. In his four years managing the Dodgers, the, Do- the Giants win two titles. So bring him back, man. We, I want to see Don Mattingly back. With, get Dave Roberts out of there. Let's bring back Donnie Baseball. Yeah, Dave Roberts kind of knows what he's doing. So let's kick him out of there. He knows what he's doing, and they're so heavily analytical. And I think it's like an over uh, an overcorrection because Don Mattingly made so many mistakes. So it's like, oh, we're not letting a manager do anything anymore because <laughs> he makes so many mistakes. So you're Dave not allowed is to be fe- robo manager. Not allowed to feel the game anymore. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right. So um, this is a good time to uh, uh, to uh, pour one out for for Tommy. Yeah. Actually, so. What uh, I will just say what I'm drinking. It's very it's very boring. I, I I was mentioning these last couple shows where I was drinking the coffee and a little bit of the the Jameson cold brew, and then I tried the bourbon with the coffee and it wasn't as good. And I was at the store, so I bought more Jameson cold brew. So my drink is very boring. I'm sort of drinking what I what I've been drinking, which is the cold brew with the with the cold brew uh co- with the cold brew whiskey in it. So what are you drinking? I'm sure it's much more interesting than mine. But that that's not boring though, because if it's good, it's not boring. If you enjoy Absolutely. it, it's it's a go to and speak. It's amazing. Yeah, and see, and I went with the old, the old reliable. I got some new uh, for Christmas. I got some uh, Kentucky Trail bourbon glasses. Oh, um, I, I usually drink my bourbon out of Scotch glasses. Well, that it has a smaller mouth than mm-hmm. Scotch glasses do because it kind of really traps in. You know, Scotch is very. Um, uh, how should I say it? It it it. It's got a big bouquet to it, not as big as bourbon. So with bourbon, um, it's more of an open mouth glass, a bigger bowl, heavy bottom to it and everything. So and and I've been enjoying the bourbons in these uh, a little bit more. And so I went with the old Evan Williams bottled in bond uh, It's one of my favorites. It's very meaty, got a lot of good woody goodness to it. Um, I finished in my den a couple of weeks ago. I finished my wall. So I've got this big painting of Sinatra up there and it, and, and it had just been him for a long time. So we, we've been redoing in the den. So I got these, uh, six record shelves. So I've got six records on there and I like Dean Martin. I put up Nat King Cole. Uh, I got Doris day, uh, another Sinatra. I've got Ella Fitzgerald with count Basie. So the bourbon goes really well when you're just sitting back 
drinking the bourbon, listening to the music and staring at the records. Uh, so I think I found a new place to hang out. My family wonders where I go, <laughs> I den, I close the doors, have a bourbon, listen to some music and just relax for a little bit. But, but this, this is my go-to drink for that. So that's awesome. Yeah. I was actually, when you were saying that I was looking at the different style of glasses because I have those uh, whiskey glasses, like you said, with the, um, the neck is a little, is a little bit uh, slim. The Glen Cairns, right? Yes. Yes, exactly. But then, so I'm looking at bourbon glasses and yeah, they are more wide mouthed than other glasses. Yeah. I highly recommend them. They're, they're heavy. They've got a lot of good. You're going to have to send me the link. I I will. Yeah. They've got a lot of good weight to them. I got four. I wish I could just send you two glasses. I don't need four. I'm the only one that drinks (laughs) bourbon now. So I only need like two. (laughs) Right. Right. Perfect. All right. So, um, yeah, I guess we can, we can talk about some news because there was a little bit of news this week, uh, to, uh, Tomoyuki Sugano made a decision and it was not to sign with the Major League Baseball team. He went back to Japan. They could not come to an agreement. What were your thoughts on that whole that whole ordeal? Well, after we did the podcast on that Monday, we had like three days before he was going to make the decision. It was like 5 p.m. Eastern time on that Thursday. And as it got closer to that, day as each day went by it just got less and less likely there was less and less news it kind of quieted down a little bit so i thought okay he's probably a not signing with us and it sounds like b he's not signing with anybody but the yamiuri giants he's going back home uh and that's sure enough that's what he did um like we talked about on facebook too on our facebook page uh somebody had mentioned you have to pull up his name because i want to give him props um that it wasn't a good time to do it uh which i completely agreed with this this is a, a, a kind of a tough year to leave your home and especially leave Japan, come to America. Um, after we had a shortened season last year, the finances for all the teams are kind of up in the air. There's not a whole lot of money flowing like there used to be. So I think that that's kind of what it came down to. That decision was, do I leave the comfort of my home and try to start a career overseas? Uh, or do I wait one more year? So the, so the deal he got with the Yamiuri Giants is four years, 40 million, so 10 a year, and an opt out after every year. So there's a chance he'll go back into the pool next year. But, but, but I was wondering about this. So if you've got a four year opt out after every year, mm-hmm. if he opts out next year, tries to come here, can't strike a deal, do the Giants in Japan at that point go, dude? I don't know if we're going to write you up a whole new deal, but, but, you know, the respect over there for their players is a lot different than it is here. Um, I'm sure they were just waiting for him to come back and, and really expecting and hoping for him to come back. Uh, and and so I would assume they'll open or, or welcome him with open arms again, if that happens. Uh, but yeah, I was disappointed, but I, but I understand the business side of things on that decision. Yeah, and look, the the way that I look at this is it is all about your options and it is all about your leverage. And this was not the year 
that Major League Baseball teams were going to open their wallets and cash in. Like we've seen it. Like 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 you said, Trevor Bauer is still out there unsigned, and teams are not necessarily just looking to sign because the the future is not certain. We we have a season where they're going to play this season, and obviously going to be no fans again. And Major League Baseball continues to say how much of the percentage of their income comes from fans. They have you know eighty one games to fill their parks, and so they're not going to get any of that revenue. And so I get it, but also this is why the Giants could have been one of those teams is because they're one. Like the one thing that sort of separates them from some of the other teams is they are not really afraid to spend money this offseason. They're going to be very smart about it. But that's why I thought maybe there's a shot here because they are not going to be so afraid of the risk here uh, because they know that in, in years where. You know, everybody has a ton of money to spend. Then it makes it a little bit more competitive. And in in years where lots of teams aren't spending money, the Giants are like, "Oh, look, we'll spend money. We might be the you know the 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 team that that uh, players look to come to because we're willing to spend." So that's why I was kind of hoping that it was going to work out. But as we saw come Wednesday and Thursday, we we saw them sort of not be mentioned with the, like the top one or two teams there. Yeah. And, you know, again, I, I, I think I got my hopes up. You can listen to the last podcast and you can see I was very excited about it. Yeah, <laughs> I was Absolutely. really, you know, because anytime you can get just an, all of a sudden you don't have to bring him through your farm system. You don't have to cu- cultivate uh, a player and, and then boom, there's a player that maybe you can sign for four years who's technically a seasoned veteran and get him for like half the price of Bauer. Uh, you know, I was really excited about that, the prospect of that. And, and also the, um, you know, the element of surprise. You've got a pitcher that guys just haven't seen. And that's always something fun to have on your team because you go, oh, look at that. He's got a, you know, nice kind of surprise fastball uh, slider changeup combination. He had is it something like five or six pitches that he commands really well, especially his slider. Um, so, to, so to have something like that, I was getting a little too excited about it. But, you know, <laughs> there's no hey, this is what we're supposed to do. That's why, <laughs> exactly. that's why we do this because we get excited. Well, yeah, we didn't get like excited. It's January for crying out loud. <laughs> <laughs> I got to get excited about something, right? <laughs> uh, okay, but the Giants did did do they had a couple moves this week. Yeah. Including they made a trade the uh, someone who is probably I, I I don't know for sure, but not not a big fan favorite, Sam Coonard. I was going to say he was the most or the least popular player. I don't, I don't know that to be fact, though. That'd just be me guessing. Yeah. But Sam Coonrod was traded for Carson Ragsdale, who was drafted just this year. You don't usually see trades for guys that are drafted, you know, right, like in, in, in the most recent draft, at least in baseball, you don't really see that happen. So I was kind of surprised to see that they made a move for someone uh, who, who is, uh, who's from the draft. Now, do we know why the Phillies offered uh, someone who they, they drafted fairly highly in, in the most recent draft? The only thing I can think of, and I haven't seen anything on it, so this is full speculation, is that they wanted a right-hander in their bullpen to compete now. They, they needed somebody with 
experience in the major leagues. Um, maybe they saw something in him. I don't know. Uh, I don't think there's anything wrong with Carson Ragsdale, who we got in, in return. Um, you know, fourth round. It's funny you talk about that. You don't usually see a guy drafted and then traded during the next season. They won't let you do that in out-of-the-park baseball, right? No, they won't. <laughs> you can't. You got to wait you, like a year or two or I something. I think so. And this is technically the new baseball season. So maybe, I, I don't know if that's even a rule in Major League Baseball. Like if the Giants were to trade for him in, say, July of last year, would they have been able to? I don't I don't, I don't really know how it works. Um but yeah, it, totally rare to see something like that. 22 years old. He was a fourth rounder for the Phillies last year. Um, and a 13.8K per nine in three years in college. I mean, that is ridiculous. But you see a lot of those inflated, weird numbers in college all the time because of the competition. But the last game that he played in, in college before the pandemic hit and they shut everything down, he pitched against. Uh, number one Florida at the time and in four innings he struck out 10 batters mm. uh, so I think that boosted his 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 stock in the draft quite a bit um, his uh, walks per nine were five which is really high also uh, but again guy coming out of college uh, you kind of have to give him the benefit of the doubt on that because when they get to the majors and get into the minor league systems uh, and start going Going through, they kind of hone those things in and they figure out, does this guy ever going to get control or is he not? So we'll go from there. Uh, but he's six foot eight, 90 to 95 mile an hour fastball, got a curveball and a change. So it's exciting. It's always fun to have a fireballer in your minor league system to see what they can do. So. So this comes from the website around the foghorn.com. It's a scouting report on him. And so one of the things about him that I think stands out is he is six foot eight <laughs> gigantic yeah. human being. That's awesome. But he does. It's not, you know, he's, he's not throwing as hard as, as Randy Johnson. He's going to sit in the mid, the, the low to mid nineties, but they think that he has a really good curveball, and they think he also needs to develop a third pitch. So the reason why he was in the bullpen in college until this last season is because he had those two really good pitches. And then the the idea was, okay, he, he's, he's got enough velocity and he's got good secondary stuff. So we should turn him into a, a starter. And it looks like that's what the Giants are going to try to continue to do with him is to, uh, is to continue to develop him as a starter. So getting that third pitch or, or is, is going to be a, a bigger deal. But I just found it so interesting because if you tell me what is the value of a Sam Coonrod and to me, even without his political stuff, which to me means a lot, especially in this area, but Zadie made it made a, a, a note to say that it, it meant nothing in the trade to him. But I looked at Sam Kudron and I was like, oh, my gosh, I never want to see this guy <laughs> pitch again. He because because you know who he reminded me of was Hunter Strickland. Ooh. Like, yeah. OK, when there's nothing on the line. He's going to strike out the side. And when you need to get an out, he's going to give up a home run. <laughs> right. and, and no matter how good his stuff is, he's he has one of the hardest fastballs in all of baseball. 
But it's just when I saw him pitch in clutch situations, he just didn't look like he wanted to be there. And I don't know if you can teach that or fix that or whatever. And maybe I'm just picking on him because I didn't really like him as a player or as a seemingly as a person either. But <laughs> I, I just, I just never felt comfortable. Like, like when, you know, when they brought him in, I wasn't thinking like, all right, we got this right. <laughs> no, we, we, we were talking about our favorite uh, closers of all time. And we both had like Rob Nan and Rod Beck and guys like that. This is not somebody I felt comfortable with in any way. It was like, oh, my God, how are we going to get through this? Yeah. And and when you look and a lot of a lot of people like myself forgot that he was even, you know, he even got a chance with us in 2019. Um, but he pitched in 33 games in 2019. So overall, 42 innings for us, uh, the only team he's ever pitched for. And he has a walk per nine of 4.7 and a strikeout per, per nine is 7.4. That's usually not something to brag about. I mean, that, those are really close numbers. Um, so that tells you his issues right there. Control, um, his hits per nine were 7.7, which wasn't awful. But last year it was 10.4 in 14 innings, almost yeah. almost 15 innings. Uh, but to turn him around for a fourth rounder uh, who throws, uh, you know, 95, who's six foot eight, uh, that was uh, kind of a genius move, I'd say, by Zadie. I mean, that was, uh, we, we love Zadie because he is, you know, he, 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 he's, I should say he's got the balls of an elephant sometimes. And, and to go out and make a move like this was just like, Hey, we, you know, and we're going to talk about another move coming up here in Jay Jackson, another right-hander for the bullpen that the giants picked up. Uh, so all of a sudden with uh, a couple other 40 man roster guys who throw hard, all of a sudden the giants have a wealth of right-handers in the bullpen. So you can expend a guy like, like uh Coonrod, uh, but to turn them around for what they got, I mean, it's a piece, in Ragsdale that you don't know what you have yet, but I like the promise and I like saying, well, you know, wasted Coonrod, what do we do with him? We could release him, we could do it, but to turn him around for that, I mean, I, I, that's pretty awesome. And I wonder if you're the Phillies and you know that last year the, you know, the minor leagues, you didn't really have it. And the draft was a lot different because of the minor league system. And then this year, uh, teams are, I, I guess, being a little careful on how many minor league organizations they have. And I wonder if they just looked at it as like, look, this guy is going to need a lot of work and we can flip him for somebody who possibly can come in and be on the major league roster. And I wonder if that is the you know that that is the decision for them is just to go we need we need a guy on the roster we're not patient enough because this guy's gonna need a lot of time who knows if he ever makes it and for zadie it's the flip which is we're in no rush whatsoever we just want to develop guys yeah and i i think that that has to do a lot with it. I, I don't know the Phillies minor league system, but in order to make this deal, I would think that they had to, you know, they, they don't really have somebody lined up in the bullpen, a right-hander, uh, 
that's better than Coonrod at this point. So they just wanted to make a deal to get a guy, you know, with, with some, with some experience. So, but you know, as, as parting words, I, I hope uh, Coonrod has a, a, a horrible season. I hope he has, <laughs> I, I hope he's worse than he was uh, for us last year. I, I hope he's horrible for the Phillies. I hope he, I hope he's healthy. I don't want to wish ill will. I mean, that's, that's terrible. I hope he's healthy right. and I hope he pitches, I don't know, 60, 70 innings and just can't get his ERA below 10. <laughs> I, I just, I really hope that for him. Yeah, me too. I, I'm in for that. <laughs> um, so there was another mention, you, you you mentioned him, Jay Jackson, another bullpen guy, not not 40-man roster. So he's got to make the team. The, the interesting thing about, uh, them allowing Coonrod to go is because I think they were uncertain about him fitting what they wanted and uh, he was expendable. But you have someone like Jay Jackson come in who can fight for a spot. That is a guy that you kind of want to get behind because you're like, look, he if he doesn't make it, then so be it. He'll go find another another job. But when you have Coonrod on the roster, you're almost trying to make sure that he makes the team in a sense because of what you've already put into him. Yeah. And the nice thing about you can add him along with Whistler, you can add him along with Brebia. So there's your there's your right-handed competition now uh, coming into camp. You've also got Gregory Santos, uh, Camilo Duvall, uh, Kerwin Castro, guys that are throwing in the hundreds. So all of a sudden, the Giants' right-handed bullpen is starting to look pretty nasty. But it's a matter of um, control, you know, because a lot of these guys that the Giants are picking up just have control issues. And, and in all honesty that's why they're available. I mean, yeah. these guys aren't getting scooped up because, you know, they're walking one per nine. Um, when you look at, at Jay Jackson's numbers, you know, he, he's striking out 13.2 per nine, but he's also walking almost five per nine. So they're trying to reel that in. And that's in uh, uh, 34 games um, overall in the major leagues, 2015 with the Padres, 2019 with the Brewers, but then four seasons in the Jap uh, Japanese leagues, uh, 2016, 17, 18, and 20, uh, he had a 2.16 ERA and only a 3.5 walk per nine with 10 strikeouts per nine. So I think the Giants, are, you know, w with the way they've been working, um, you know, project pitchers, should I say, over the last few years, I think they see something in Jay Jackson and they see something in Whistler and they see something in Brebbia. So that's going to be the fun part is, is to see this bullpen develop. They, I mean, you look at teams who go into the World Series, you look at teams who go deep into the playoffs, they've got those just nasty bullpens where they can plug in guys from the fifth inning on. It's not, it's not, it's not the seventh, eighth and ninth anymore, the eighth and ninth anymore. It's not like, you know, here's Mike Jackson and then, um, uh, shooter, you know, mm -hmm. we're, we're not, we're not doing that anymore. It, it's, it's fifth, sixth, seventh, eighth, ninth. Who do you have that can come out and throw hard, get out, 
Don't put anybody on base, strike people out, no contact, blow through the order for for four innings. And that's what the Giants are trying to build because you got to compete with that. It's not so much anymore the starters that can go eight innings. That that's nice to have, but it really doesn't exist anymore. So this is, this is fun to see. The spring training is going to be really, really fun. Uh, something to keep an eye on are those split squad games where you see all the pitchers working on the same days. Right, right. Yeah, and, and you know, it is the, the bullpen in of itself it is not that they don't have every single spot in the bullpen figure out and, and you have competition. So you bring in a bunch of guys, guys who are hungry, guys who may not have had that success in the past. So they're going to come in and they're going to try to win spots and you're creating competition. And, you know, the, I, I wonder major league relievers who throw a hundred miles an hour or who throw in the high nineties. I wonder what their, expiration date is like <laughs> like guys who throw that hard just generally I, I mean you know there are some some guys who have had longer careers but the one that i think of is like eric gagne right like he was yeah the greatest reliever we ever saw for three years and then he was done he's like an nfl running back right he was terrell he was yeah. the terrell davis of closers and and i kind of wonder you know because you got to create you're creating the competition and, and hoping that in, in a sense, it's a little bit of like a luck with guys who, who can sustain. I just I just wonder, I don't know if there's been any studies on that. Like, how long do these guys who are throwing high 90s and, you know, throwing uh, hard for, you know, I don't know, 65 games a year. I wonder how long those guys last. Well, and you bring up a good point, too, because like with the Giants, uh, Whistler, Brebbia, Jay Jackson, uh, Ragsdale, they all have good off-speed stuff, too. So you're not necessarily seeing the Gagne's anymore, where he's mm-hmm. just like, I'm going to I'm gonna douse you with 102. Pretty sure Gagne was on steroids, too. Well, so that's like part of the thing. I think he was part of the Mitchell report. I mean, it's, I'm pretty <laughs> sure he was he was there, um, you know, but but still, you know, you don't have that anymore. It's it's the nasty like, oh, here's a 95, 96. Oh, by the way, here's like an 89 or 90 slider that you have mm-hmm. no idea if that's a fastball low and away or not, but you're going to be hacking at it. So I think that's why you're seeing a lot of the guys that the Giants have signed lately have those really high K per nines uh, because they're mixing in stuff. But that is that is good. I would like to see that. Um, you know, we're in the midst of this you know, high nineties bullpen era. So it's going to be hard. We're going to have to wait a little while to see when do guys flame out? I mean, yeah. do they have like a great season or two great seasons? And then all of a sudden dip gone. Uh, so yeah, I, I, I'd really like to see that. And so let's make a study. Let's do that. ourselves. <laughs> yeah. That's a lot. Look of, it up. A lot of work. Uh, all right. So we have one more segment left and you wanted to do something new. Like I've, re- I really have no idea what you're going to do. <laughs> But you said you wanted to play a game of Would You Rather Giants Edition. And so I'm going to leave this to you. I don't know what's coming. I have a feeling I'm going to be on the hot seat here in a second. You are. And, oh, yeah. and I'm ready. I'm ready. You are totally on the hot seat. I'm, I'll answer my side of it, okay. but you're going to answer first. Okay. Um, these are tough questions. They may be geographical to where you live. One mm-hmm. of them is. Uh, but the rest are going to be 
you know, just thinkers. And I'm going to, when we're done too, and we post the podcast, I am going to put these three questions separately on Facebook as well. Cause I want to see what everybody else thinks that they would do. Okay. Would you rather, and I've got a 14 year old and a 12 year old, so we'll mm-hmm. play the, would you rather have a, <laughs> you know, a shotgun for a right arm <laughs> or a sword for a left leg? I, you know, what, what, <laughs> what would you rather have? This is kind of like that. And almost like a, a little bit of what if thrown in as well. Okay. All right. You ready? Yep. Question number one. Would you rather, would you rather have the 2002 World Series not be blown? It was one. Okay. Mm-hmm. The, Russ Ortiz was not pulled out in game six. We had a five, nothing lead. They go on, win that game and win the world series, but you would have to trade the 2014 world series. Bumgarner comes in, blows the game and the Royals win it. Wow. What would you I, I want you to but what you still you get 10 and 12. You yeah, still get 10 yeah. and 12. You just don't get 14. So, when you started that question, I sort of figured out what, where you were going. <laughs> I am going to say I would take 2002. And the reason for that is because I want Barry to have a title. And um, the guys on 2014, Bumgarner would have already had two championships. Uh, the, the You know, we, we do miss that moment of him being one of the greatest postseason pitchers of all time. But I think I would sacrifice it because what would happen, what, here, here's how I'm thinking about it. The years 2003 through 2009, my uh, mental health and, 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 and stuff would be a lot better when it came to baseball. I would feel, I wouldn't ha- I wouldn't feel so tense when Dustin Hermanson would come in to close a game. <laughs> I wouldn't get so frustrated when uh, Jose Cruz Jr. drops a pop-up. Yeah. Like that, like those things could happen. And then I'd be like, eh, I got the 2002 <laughs> championship. Exactly. Yes. <laughs> and I, I figured you would lean that way because you've, we've, we always wanted a Barry World Series win, mm-hmm. right? The amount of money that we paid him, the amount of joy that we had, we talked about a few podcasts ago, the amount of joy that we had when we signed Barry Bonds, the places we thought we were going to go with him, the teams we thought we were going to have, we had them, they just didn't fare well in the playoffs. It's just yeah. the way it happened. Um I personally, and I'm I'm sorry, Bumgarner, but I I personally would also go with 2002, and for again for a selfish reason, not only for Bonds, but in 2002, my wife and I during the World Series were in Anaheim for Game Six and Seven. We were on our one year anniversary in Disneyland. We had our passes. Um, I'll post a picture of the uh, the entrance to California Adventure used to be a golden, like a fake Golden Gate Bridge. Mm-hmm. Um, and and fr- hanging from that, because at that time, Disney owned the Angels, uh, hanging from those were a huge Giants banner and a huge Anaheim Angels banner. Um, and with a rally monkey hanging from the Golden Gate Bridge. <laughs> That's so, the other reason to win yeah. 2000. 
2002. <laughs> F the rally monkey. They kill that thing. Just burn it. <laughs> um, so so that and then and then as you're walking through downtown Disney, I don't know if you're familiar with downtown Disney. Uh-huh. It's between um, Disneyland and Disney California Adventure. There were gigantic blow up screens showing the games. Uh, so there are crowds around there. So we went back to the hotel room to watch game six. We said, we'll take a break. Uh, we had passes for, for all five days we were there. And then when the game was over, we were going to just head back to the park, you know, games over eight ish, nine ish. And then the parks open till midnight. So we'll go have some fun, celebrate the giants victory and have a good time. I opened a gigantic beer in the seventh inning, we're up five, nothing. I'm having a good time, getting ready to go back to the park, ride some rides. And then it happened. So if I could reverse that and give up that 2014 World Series, I, I would do that. Not in a heartbeat. It would be a really tough choice, but I would absolutely do it as as would you. Okay, yeah, and here's here's another reason. I have two more reasons. Hey, you sort of mentioned it. The heartache from 2002. I only want to wish that on like Dodger fans, right? <laughs> and A's fans, maybe. Mm, not even no, A's no. fans. Wow. You know why? Because right. because A's fans have to deal with the fact that their team will not never sign a player. Anytime their players get good, they get traded. So they already have to deal with that. Like, <laughs> like you don't want to beat them down. Even they're already more. living in hell, as right? <laughs> so that that's a B. If Bumgarner doesn't go 2014 and become, like I said, the greatest, one of the greatest playoff pitchers in baseball, we may still have him on the team. He may not have, he may not have been so attractive on the free agent market and the Giants would have been able to, to, to re-sign him. So that, that's kind of a, a smaller thing. Well, and, and Bumgarner had his pitching dominance and wins in 10 and 12. So I probably made that a little easier. No, it's still it gets, a good one. It's yeah, still it a gets good one. harder as it goes along. I have three of them for you. Uh-oh. So that was number one. Any more to add to that? Or are you no, good ready. with that? Okay, cool. And I'm going to post that on Facebook. I want to see what other people have to say. Um, it gets The third one's a little more complex. There's a lot of moving parts to it, but it's fun. Okay. Uh, number, number two, this one... This one could be an easy to easy decision, but it's hard to say. This one's more just just, just kind of a, a what if. What would you do right now? Okay, you could trade Joey Bart right now mm-hmm. for or or let's say let's say the All Star break this season to twenty twenty one. Trade Bart and you get a piece that I, I'm not going to name the player because I don't know who it is. I'm just going to say it's somebody, I don't know, pitcher, uh, b- b- center field or right field, who, who knows? Somebody that would guarantee us a playoff peer- appearance in 2021, 22, mm. and 23. I don't, wow. I, no guarantees on what they would do in the playoffs, but it would guarantee them playoff appearances in 21, 22, and 23. What do you do? So we give away Bart and we make the playoffs three years in a row. Yeah. Don't know how far we're going to go. Could be first round exits all three years. I, I, th- I don't know. But. I think I'd be okay with giving up Bart because they have a catcher that they also drafted 
uh, recently. We don't we we don't know who the Giants like better. I, I'm assuming they like Bart a little bit better because he's a bit of a better prospect. But I don't know how they see him when it comes to is he expendable? Is he a piece? Like is he the guy that they are going to prop up in a trade when they need to? So I think I'd be okay with that because if you get three shots at the playoffs. I think that's a that's a good opportunity. Even if you don't win the World Series, I still think you just need to have shots at getting there, and I think that makes it worth it. Well, and I think for financial reasons, I'm going to go out on a limb here and say the Giants do it um, to have playoff games at home, um, and and to be a playoff team three years in a row. That's pretty special. It's hard to get into the playoffs, number one. It's hard to maintain a playoff streak, as as we very well saw mm-hmm. in 10, 12, and 14. 11, 13, 15, we didn't go anywhere. Nope. It didn't, didn't, didn't make the playoffs, just a playoff miss each time. So, so that tells you right there, I, I think the Giants would do that. Um, and again, a player we would get in return would be a controllable player for those three years. And that player would play a big part in getting us in there. Um, so, so, and I think that would be the big draw for me is like, who is that player? And that player has to be good. Right. Uh, let's say it's Bauer. Let's say Bauer goes to another team. He gets halfway through the season. He's really unhappy. He hates them, wants a trade. And the giants are like, here's Joey Bart. We'll take him. Let's just say it's something like that. I, I uh, know that the way that Zadie would look at it is, you have you would have Bart under team control. How what is it like? Well, he he was in the big leagues last year, so the clock started ticking. No, no, no. They they had him. I forgot they they they, they made it so that the clock the clock didn't start ticking last year, right? Like there was a there was a Correct. strategy to that. So there was a weird deadline last year because of the shortened season, but right? They, but they passed that deadline, so yes. So, yeah, I mean, you're looking at Bart under team control, and if he becomes a good player, I, I could see Zadie, you know, having an interesting uh, way to look at that as, you know, you, you got to tell, you know, you got to tell me what I'm getting, you know. <laughs> That's the hard part. I couldn't come up with anybody and say, this is the player. But uh, looking at Joey Bart, team control, let's see, he's he's making a, a, a huge uh well, he's minor league salary this year. So team control 2022, 23, arbitration 2024, 25, 26, yep. free agent in 27 at 30 years old at that point. Yeah, so it's a lot of if he becomes a really good player, then that is the reason why you kind of bought because you're like through, you know, for seven more years, you have him at a specific amount and he is on your team unless you trade him. So number number two pick overall, too. Don't forget. Yep. Got to throw that in there as part of the mix to say, hmm, do you trade a number two overall player? to make the playoffs three years in a row. And I say, I mean, the ultimate goal is to win. Yep. I mean, that's the ultimate goal. So if the Giants have the pieces and they know that they need this one player, and obviously they have to be in that position where they know they need that one player. So they know they need that one player and they know this player is really going to help us get into the playoffs past the Padres. Uh, I mean, again, this is all hypothetical where, 
I don't know if we're near the Padres, but let's just say hypothetically the Padres tank and, and you know, their players are horrible and everything doesn't work out for them. So, uh, so you go for the trade. Yep. I, I go for the trade. Okay, perfect. I'm going to post that one as well. All right. Last one. Got a lot of moving parts to this one. So stay with me. You can have the Giants back in the, before AT&T Park was built, let's say 98, 99. Giants moved to San Jose. Okay. And again, like I said, this is going to be more of a geographical one Mm -hmm. for you because you live in the South Bay. Yep. You work in the city though, right? Mm -hmm. So you've got two places where you could see the Giants. Um, So they moved to San Jose in 98, 99. It's just a kind of a plain cookie cutter stadium. Pretty neat, cool cool place to hang out, but it's not AT&T. And because of that, the A's move to Vegas. They're gone. Giants are the only ones left in the Bay Area, but they still win 10, 12, and 14. Mm-hmm. Or you can keep them in San Francisco. AT&T is built. Everything works. It's great. Uh, 10, 12, 14 happen. And 2016 happens. So you get an added World Series and you get AT&T Park. Or they move to San Jose, the A's move out of town, but you still get 10, 12, and 14. See, this one is a lot easier than I think you thought when you were creating it. And the reason is because, because I work in the city, that enabled me to go to so many more Giants games than I would have been able to go to if they were in the South Bay. Because... Uh, you know, several nights during the week, I was already out there. And so it's like, I'm already out here. I might as well just go to a game. Whereas if I had to drive home, get ready, make it out to a game in San Jose, it would have been a lot harder. So I 100% would like to keep it the way it is. Uh, the um, Having a park in in the the South Bay, we've already seen it with the the 49ers, Levi's. Levi's is actually a really fun place in the evening. It sucks in in the day unless you get in the right side of the stadium because of the sun. In the evening, it is awesome. The problem with Levi's is getting there and and going home. If you you are someone who doesn't mind taking, um, you know, like the light rail, it's it's fine. It's totally easy. You can get in and out. But if you're a driver and you really enjoy driving or you're coming from really far away, that place is a gigantic pain in the butt to get <laughs> in and out imagine. of. There there was one game. So it was a, a Niner Raider Monday night game. And uh, me and my brother-in-law went, I think... I must have gotten dropped off or something. I can't, I'm trying to remember how that worked. And so my dad is going to pick us up uh, after the game is over. I think I want to say he was in traffic on one street for over an hour to just to get to a place where he could grab us. It was such a pain, but the, the the you know the flip side again is if you're fine with public transportation you could get in and out of there quickly it's just people want to be in their cars like they enjoy driving they may be coming from an area that's a little hard to get to for for public transportation so 
I don't think that the South Bay would be able to figure that situation out. And I well, think it'd be the same thing with the Giants. So I, I prefer the the ballpark in San Francisco. Well, and, and one big deal, and I forgot to throw it in there. One big deal as to the Giants back, you remember the whole talk of the Giants moving to San Jose and everything else. The problem was that Bart was supposed to be built all the way down to San Jose mm-hmm. and they just didn't do, there were all kinds of problems with it and, 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 and funding and everything else. So let's, let's say Bart does come down to San Jose. I mean, that, that probably doesn't affect you in any way because you already live in the South Bay. Uh, but that was kind of a big draw. That was the big thing was like, well, we can move the giants to San Jose, but let's also get, Bart all the way down here. Not mm-hmm. the, what is it? The light rail? I haven't I, yeah. I haven't lived in the Bay Area since 2003, so a lot of these things are. Um, I can't remember names of things, but yeah, light rail, right? That was right. that. That's the, in the south. There's Bay. the light rail. You have the Caltrain right. that you could sort of connect to, but it's not. <laughs> it's not great, right? Because no. the the if it feels like. Oh yeah, let me let me grab Uber. No, you st- you are still have the same problem as anyone trying to park there, with, where Uber gets stuck in traffic and you're and you're kind of screwed. Well, growing up in Santa Clara, uh, over by Stevens Creek Boulevard, I had when I was a kid in the '80s, I had season passes to Grand America, um, and we used to ride our bikes just down the street. We'd we ride it down. Um, oh, Again, names of streets, Kylie Boulevard. Mm-hmm. We would go all the way down Kylie, it would turn into something else, and, and we'd hit. And you know. I'm actually not that far from there right now. Oh, okay, nice. And so we'd hit Great America, lock up our bikes, go in, cruise around, uh, you know, say hi to the ladies. You know, 14 <laughs> years old with my uh, with my cool mustache, I'd say hi to the ladies, and, and we'd ride our rides and stuff, and have a good time, and and ride our bikes back home. I can't even imagine doing that nowadays in the Bay Area. I would imagine it's just gridlock everywhere. Yeah, it is. Um, it, it, it's, it's. yeah, I don't, I don't know. I, I'm trying to think back of when I started working until now. It, it doesn't feel too different, but, you know, it's just a very, we're just in a, out, the, the only reason we, we're not in crazy traffic right now is because everyone's technically supposed to be home, which was kind of one of the fun things about driving during this time is like when I had to go, you know, pick up my kid or something. It's like, oh, there's no traffic. What's what is life? But yeah, you know, the, this is just a busy area. And it's not I, I, I would say it's not L.A. Obviously, L.A. is right. a, a little bit crazier. But San Francisco, San Jose, Oakland, they're pretty they're pretty busy, busy places. And it's not just from five o'clock to seven o'clock it's like from about 2 30 to you know to 7 30 so it's you know people are trying to beat the traffic and then everyone decides to beat the traffic and it just creates traffic at that time so and that's one of the big reasons we moved out of the bay area was when we had the opportunity it was 2002 when things started going in motion and, and we used to drive up north to chico and um you know the gray eagle area and and just uh, Reading and Shasta and everything. But it got to the point where on Fridays you had to leave by like 11 a.m., or else you, it just didn't work. And, uh, growing up, you know, when I, when I got my license in the late eighties and early nineties, when I used to drive up to Chico, 
You can leave anytime you want. I can leave at five o'clock. Not a big deal. You'd hit a little bit of traffic and then you just cruise through and everything was good. But then it got to the point where, like I said, you had to leave by 11 in the morning and it, it just got to be a nightmare. But, uh, but no, I, I'm with you on that. You, you, if you are, if you worked in San Francisco and you had the fantastic, you know, just hopping over to the stadium and watching these games and all those great memories. And AT&T Park is a beautiful stadium. Yep. Um, I was siding with you on that one as well. I would not trade that stadium for anything. Um, even, you know, even throwing in another World Series title. I, 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 I say, no, I, I want AT&T Park. I want where it's located now. Um, there's just something magical about the stadium. You can go at night and you can freeze your butt off like you do at Candlestick <laughs> Park. But you can also go at night and all of a sudden you're like, oh. It's really nice. It's 70-something yeah. uh, degrees. I went uh, to a game. I think it was 2006. It was an afternoon Saturday game. It was like 90 degrees in the city, and we were in the third deck, and it was about 125 <laughs> up there. I mean, it was just <laughs> ridiculous. But yeah. we still had a good time because it was Fleet Week. Yeah. So you're sitting in the third deck and watching these gigantic tankers and, and battleships and everything else coming to the bay while you're watching the game. And it was just so fun. And I wouldn't trade that for anything. I love the South Bay, grew up there, lived there for 30 years. I don't know if I want a stadium there. You bring up so many good points about all the traffic and everything else and the gridlock in that area. I used to deliver flowers in college and I drove a flower van in the uh, in the early 90s. And, and just driving around that area to deliver flowers was a nightmare during that time. So I can't even imagine if you threw another stadium in there. Well, you know the rumor about why Levi's isn't prepared to deal with the sun is because they built that stadium with the intention that it was going to be in San Francisco and then when they brought it to the to the place in uh, right next to Great America they just plopped it based on the same uh the same geographic uh, worries that they were going to have in San Francisco. Like they didn't even redo that stuff for San Jose. I, I'm, I'm assuming because they were on a bit of a deadline, Yeah, but that's supposedly that's why, you know, there's a really bad sun area. But, you know, if you really know that's that, that place, you, you, you pick the state, the shade side, pay a little bit extra on, uh, you know, whatever ticket app you're using, because they know that that's the sign you're looking for. <laughs> yes. But uh, that's the thing, you know, I, I've been to so many Giants games. And uh, last year, my wife and I went to a Niners-Panthers game because she, she went to school in uh, North Carolina. And then I went to a Niners, I think, I want to say it was Niners-Browns Monday night. And then uh, I might have gone to one more game, but that place was rocking every single time that we went. That, that place can be so much fun yeah. if you sort of play it correctly and you make sure that, you know, you're not killed by the sun and, and it, but, but uh, it's so fun. And, you know, again, you, you have a problem getting in and out, but if you can solve that getting in and out, it, it's, it's awesome. Well, that uh, brings up a good point. One of these days when things are normal, I'm going to head down there. We can catch a uh, uh, Rams Niners Monday night football game, maybe, or Sunday yeah, night that would be awesome. or something. Yeah, yeah. That would totally be awesome. Well, that's the game. That's the, uh, the would you rather slash what if Giants edition. I'm going to post all three of those on Facebook and uh, I want to see what everybody else thinks.
Yeah, no, that was fun. I'll have to, I'll have to figure something out for you. All right. I'll have to get you back for putting me on the spot. I like that. <laughs> All right. So, uh, so we're done here. Uh, we'll be back next week. Uh, again, check out the uh, YouTube channel. We put some new videos up there with our previous conversations. If you hadn't heard those and, uh, yeah, you know, we're getting close to the time when, uh, they would, they would do the KMBR fan fest stuff. And I have, I have some fun fan fest memories, uh, in the, from the past. So, you know, we're about, I think we're like three weeks from when they would usually do that. So that always reminds me of how close we're getting to the baseball season. You know, if they do a virtual fan fest this year and and charge to watch it and zoom and everything else i'm in i, I think i'm gonna jump in right yeah that'd be fun because i living in reno it's really hard to get down to the bay area especially with young kids and everything it's hard to just like take off and go away for a couple of days so this would give me the opportunity to sit there and listen to these guys and maybe ask them questions i i, I think if they do it virtually i i and charge i'm in man yeah, last year I met um, Alex Pavlovich, oh, no. who's the the beat writer, the Mercury News, uh, not Mercury News anymore, NBC Bay Area beat writer for the Giants, and I had actually talked to him prior, and I had actually had him on my podcast a couple of different times, but I didn't know him at all. It was just because he is friends with one of my friends. And so he would come on and then we'd like talk about MTV, this, the challenge, because that's kind of like both of our sneaky obsessions. Yeah. And, uh, and so then I, I ran into him, uh, at the fan fest, uh, not last year, year before last year. And, I actually went, what I think it was your, I can't even remember now. The pandemic has thrown me off as far as timing, but I just walked up to him and I shook his hand. I said, Hey, what's up? You know, I've talked to you before. I'm friends with Carmen. You know, you came on my podcast a couple of times and he's a pretty quiet dude in general. So he kind of keeps to, you know, keeps a little profile. So it's like, Oh, Hey, what's up? And that was pretty much it. But, uh, it was whatever Bochi, it was, no, it was actually Bochi's last season. Cause I remember we were at the Bochi, uh, the Bochi thing. He did like a talk and you know, that was really cool. Get to get to hear Bochi talk. I, I, I was like I in the second row or whatever. So that was the last time. <laughs> see, and that would be fun to, to see all that on zoom, be sitting at your computer, have a cup of coffee and watch all this stuff and maybe be able to throw in some questions. I think that'd be a, a blast. And yeah. speaking of Pavlovich, he actually went to uh, Cupertino high school uh, where I went and he's uh 2016 Cupertino high school uh, uh, alumni Hall of Fame. Oh, wow. He's a class of 2003. I'm a little bit earlier, class of uh, 91, but you know, just a few years. When before. are you going to the Hall of Fame? Oh, pff, yeah. They don't, uh, they don't just give it out to uh, random dudes who went there and, uh, you know, hit 125 <laughs> for the baseball team. So, yeah. <laughs> we got, we got to make this, uh, this podcast as big of a deal as Pavlovich's journalism <laughs> career. And then, there you and go. then we'll get you in. Yeah. <laughs> All right, man. So that was fun. We'll be back next week. Uh, we're going to keep doing what we're doing. We'll have a little bit of news. We'll create some interesting segments. And then soon before we know it, it'll be nothing but hardcore Giants news as we get back to season. But like Brad said last week, we're going to do, or maybe it's two weeks ago, we'll, we'll do a, we'll do like a watch along kind of thing where we'll, we'll talk about an old game or something. We'll, we'll have to figure out that a little bit uh, in advance, but I would imagine that's coming in the next uh, month or so. All right, for Brad, I'm Double G. We'll see you when we see you. Peace out. Peace.